Soldiers of Hell! Welcome to the Soldiers of Hell podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Spence. We're suffering from a freak strain of the Millennium Ball where everything we do seems to send us back to 1999 or earlier. Join us each month as we recruit a mentor with the right skills to send us back to the future. We'll choose two pop culture icons and by the end of each episode we'll learn whose retro talents are as relevant today as they were in the 20th century. Only then will they have what it takes to be declared as soldiers of hell. And in turn, we will become thoroughly modern gentlemen. Fire up your mini-discs and listen now. You're listening to the Soldiers of Hell on Anchor and all good podcast services. I'm Andy. And I'm Robocop. No, you're not. I can see your face. Murphy, feel Murphy. Remember who you were. Was it Murphy? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Peter Weller. Is that the actor? Yes. Yeah. No. Any any relation to Fats? Fats Weller. <laughs> Fats Waller. Rick Waller. <laughs> Paul Weller. Paul. Um, no, I don't think he's related to it. Well, if you're Robocop, that means I've. Can I be Terminator? Yes. Will you be oh. back? Always. Okay. Always and forever. Um, why? Why are you saying you're Robocop? I don't know. Um, well, I think we need to have at least one last versus episode. Um, there's different ways we could do this. Uh, we could pluck them out of a hat. We could go back to old episodes. Um, do you remember about 10 years ago, we uh, postulated that Bungle versus Chewbacca would be a good fight? Yeah. F- funnily enough, that one never came up again. But yeah, no. it would be like... I know who my money's on, in all honesty. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Chewbacca would rip Bungle's head off and then rip the actor playing Bungle's head off. <laughs> and then just look a bit confused as the <laughs> Russian doll of a bear is. has <laughs> got a man inside. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we could do that. We could... Uh, we could pluck them out of a hat or bungles empty head we could uh well we could use ones that we attempted to use several months ago but then you um decided to ignore our planning and I like uh, going off piste yeah you went for puppets instead well a puppet making me come up with another puppet yeah it wasn't really what's your hand <laughs> um, Wash my hand off the bottom of yeah, the puppet. And, yeah, I was about, <laughs> exactly the same. Two seconds ahead of me. Damn it. <laughs> um, I think, well, Robocop, why not just leave it Robocop versus Terminator? Excellent. Um, it takes me. Is that again? So since you've elected to be Robocop, I will, I will come in, weigh in on the side of the Terminator. Okay. In which case, then. Um, we need should we chat about them each and then then we'll see who's the winner throughout the course of the episode yeah i think that's a good idea we let's um let's weigh up robocop discuss so my memory of robocop is twofold one is the horrendous scene where murphy's getting pulverized by machine guns before he becomes robocop um which is one of those 
one of those scenes that you see before you're meant to see as a child growing up in the 80s and then go, that's pretty bad. Um, in all, I think I've seen Robocop maybe twice at the most, neither time particularly recently. Yeah. And the sort of the, like you, it's like there's certain images from the film which I find striking. Like you say, when he gets killed, people can't stop. People can't see me doing the. I'm doing inverted commas fingers when I say killed because he's not really killed. Um, but yeah, when he gets killed, and also like there's the image of the I can't remember what the bad robot's called. Sort of falling downstairs. Does yeah, downstairs? yeah, because it's stop motion animated, isn't it? Yeah, weirdly, I'm. I suppose there were only still. A, weird to think how still in its infancy special effects were back then. Yeah. But I can't remember the like the overall overarching plot. Is the bad guy gangs or is the bad guy like corporate greed making the bad robots? I forget. It all sort of like gets mixed up a little bit. Right. They're both, aren't they? It's the, 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 the gang bit to start with and then, yeah, the corporation stuff later. It is a, it's an actual uh, satire, isn't it, really? Um, Anyways... And um, the other memory I have of RoboCop is coupled uh, and will always be ingrained with the first time we watched Eurovision together. Back it was in... on then as well. So we, we watched the whole of Eurovision um, and then I'm pretty sure RoboCop 2 was on after it. See, this, again, the thing I have with RoboCop is I, I get one and two a little model because there's very similar there's a bad robot again in robocop 2 well isn't it a bad is it it's another well it's not a cop it's another human robo mashup um what's the right terminology for a robo human mashup and droid okay I thought it was just a robot. No, no, no. Um, cybernetics? Something like that. Anyway, you've got uh, the guy, whoever it is, they operate on him, and instead of keeping his whole head and putting a helmet on him, they just keep his spine, his brain, and his eyes. And there's this the main scene that I recall is um, the brain, spine, column, and eyes in a jar of fluid. And the people who operated on him talking to about him in front of him. But then you see the point of view of the eyes from within the glass jar talking about, to seeing the people talking about him. That's my next movie night sorted. <laughs> it's so odd. Just you know YouTube I- that clip. It's bizarre. I feel like I need to see them both again to refresh my memory of them because this. Do you know, do you know what I haven't seen? The remake of Robocop from a couple of years ago. I have, and that has no memorable qualities to it. It's, it's weird that there was a sort of mini phase of remaking but watering down 80s films like Robocop, although that was, was that 90s technically? And Total Recall, which I think, again, was 90s. 
Yeah. Robocop was 87, wasn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think really, it was. Yeah. But again, a film that probably a lot of people saw, but saw it before they probably were old enough to really see it. A lot of, I think that happened a lot more back then. Because I'm sure I, I remember watching Predator 2 when I was certainly too young to watch Predator 2. I think that's the first sex scene I ever saw in a film. <laughs> what a sex scene. What actually happened? Um, Not in sex, I understand the concept. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you like the scene cuts to a high-rise apartment where some crime boss is having sex with a woman and the Predator is sneaking in to kill them. Okay. And their bodies are later found hanging upside down, skinless. And that's now why I flay all of my partners. So another striking thing, I think, about probably those uh, films of like the, the, the 80s, 90s action films, they are very... There was always the, the hook song that's linked to the film. For example, like Terminator 2, um, Guns N' Roses doing the song, which is almost... That song for me now is all, is inextricably linked with Terminator 2. The, I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> I know the song. Yeah. But it's um even I think he what I think Arnie was even in the music video for it. Really? I can't remember it. I'm sure the video was him as the Terminator going to a Guns N' Roses concert planning on killing Axel Rose. Really? Yeah, I'm sure he was. We need to ledger this. I'm going to write this down. Axel Rose, Terminator. Axel Rose versus Terminator. Now, that's an episode. Um, was Another thing was, I quite like the synth-heavy soundtracks of those sort of 80s, 90s action films. Like, sort of thing. So yeah, I absolutely love those uh, those synth soundtracks. In fact, they've made a resurgence, haven't they, in recent years in terms of people sort of copying those um, those genre synth soundtracks. Like sort of, I suppose they started with John Carpenter, didn't they? And then yeah, yeah, he didn't he write the music for no, no he didn't do not... either of those scores. No, but. What I like about them is a lot of films, like the art of the music is that you don't notice the music. Yeah. Out of the window with those soundtracks. The music is like a character to slap you in the face. Yeah. And I like that in some ways. Um, and I like the over-the-topness of it. Ironically, one of the films that he doesn't feature in is Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester <laughs> <laughs> um, Stallone? I'm sure it is. Have you seen it about their arm wrestling competitions? It's I think we've could... talked about that one before, yeah. yeah. Sure, it's Stallone. Oh, I could be wrong. I think last time you were speculating it might be Hulk Hogan as well. Oh, God. He was in No Holds Barred, wasn't he, as well? Which was basically a wrestling remake of Kickboxer. I think we said that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've had this convo before. Um you have listened to any of our programs from about 10 years ago, disregard this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think does, does that sort of 
synthy soundtrack in some way feed into the sort of Christopher Nolan esque wall of sound soundtrack of just the the rumbling big. Hans Zimmer, we've got to blame for that, haven't we? Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I do really like his stuff, though. In fact, Inception is probably my favourite soundtrack. It's a good soundtrack. Um, I think my favourite soundtrack is... um... Oh, it's difficult to say. It's hard really, to name one, isn't it? I think my favourite soundtrack is uh, Willow. Is it? I can't remember how that goes. Or is <laughs> that a joke? At all. <laughs> 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 no. Every now and then, I toy with the idea of watching Willow with the girls, and I'm not sure, again, like you say, if it's like that massive monster thing at the end, if it's going to be a bit too scary. Because it, like, the end of the film is about a woman trying to kill a baby. Yeah. So it's, I think that would, it gets real dark real quick towards the end. It's weird. So. I feel like we were made of tougher stuff back in the 80s. And I think that's because a lot of things that would now be a 12 were PGs. So we were exposed to them sooner. And also, I think there's, was, was our generation sort of one of the, if, Probably not maybe the first, but one of the earliest to still have to be exposed to that sort of grading system of this film is suitable for. So it's like, you know, people pay a little bit more attention to it now, like the rating, age rating for video games. Yeah. 10, 15 years ago, because video games were seen as a kid's thing, no one cared about them. So you had young kids playing games that are designed for 18 plus with swearing and violence and stuff. Was it the same back then? People were like, it's just a film. What's the worst that can happen? Sort of thing. Whereas yeah. now, we know how deeply scarred people can be. <laughs> yeah. The partner flayings. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to resolve the outstanding issues from the last podcast or longer ago. Let's mark things up the ledger. Let's mark things up the ledger. Let's mark things up the ledger. Ledger, ledger, I want to bring back the ledger uh, because this brings me neatly back to a topic we've spoken about on, I think, maybe two episodes in the past. The game Night Trap, which is a mega CD game, which got a lot of coverage and was banned back in the day. Um, So there's a remake of it available for most platforms these days. Um, And I've got it for Steam. And I've played it, and there is absolutely no reason to be scared of that game. And I think back in the day, the speculation was there was uh, a boob. And um, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but there isn't. And um, very little happens in it. And to be quite frank, it's a boring game. It's amusing for about... 20 minutes and there but there's only one mechanic to it which is press a button at the right time to make trapdoors open for these bad guys to fall through are they vampires no they're i don't know what you'd call them they've probably got an official name but they're just like 
men in black boiler suits with a ho- with a black mask on. It's not a hockey mask, but they just look weird, blob-like creatures. I think there was there was a point in video games where that tra- that was quite a widespread thing, where the upgrade in graphics, like like when you're looking at cartoonish type graphics, like um. I don't know, like Road Avenger and stuff like that. The graphics were good, and like all the stuff that was using like Night Trap real film or as close to not particularly good quality real film, because so much effort was going onto the presentation, it essentially all became one big quick time event. And there were like whole games, like I suppose like Dragon's Lair, because there's so much detail going into what you see on the screen that limited options rather than open them up because well whereas now i suppose it's computer generated stuff it's you have the 3d model and that's it you make it do what you want yeah yep i think there's people from our generation a lot of people would say that the 8-bit generation is best because it was all about gameplay because the graphics weren't and sound weren't good enough um but i think it was the 16-bit generation because you got an upward trajectory in graphics that made things a lot more enjoyable and the sound quality was a lot better, but the gameplay um, was probably a bit smoother as well as a result. But then once you leapt into the 3D generation, until you get to the last two generations of 3D gaming, Actually, they're pretty ropey. They don't stand up, so they're almost like the 3D equivalent of 8-bit, aren't they? Yeah, it's. <laughs> you go. I've I've gone back and played a few things. I think I've spoke to you about this before. Like I've gone back and played a few things on the Wii, and what at the time felt revolutionary, now just feels a little clunky. Yeah, and I suppose, like everything needs a testing ground to bed in, and you know, if it weren't for the first. PlayStation, Dreamcast, to an extent, stuff on the Sega Saturn. It, it's not a classic game by any stretch. It was a big jump forward at the time, and that was its only selling point. But no one's going to really go back and play Virtual Fighter on the Saturn in the same way that you go back and play Street Fighter 2 on a Nintendo or a Mega Drive. No. Yeah, it felt like a giant leap forward at the time. And it's, I think it's difficult. They didn't have the controllers worked out either. So that you were trying to control something in three dimensions with something that was designed to really only move in two. And it just never felt quite right, like you say, until they got those specifics. Now, the problem now is that everything, I think, is, you know, I don't play as many games as I used to. It feels like it's heading towards mu- everything's much of a muchness. It's all, here's a sandbox. His millions of, um, you know, missions, play it free form. But we've got to a point where you're having to, like, in the new Red Dead Redemption, I've not played it, but someone I know says, like, you have to shave. Oh, God. It's like, I, I don't, don't want to be a cowboy. I don't want, I want to go around shooting bad guys. I don't want to have to go and kill the animals to cook the food, to put in my saddlebag. It, it, it's too much. It's, and that's, it's, Especially as you get older as well, the t- your time is precious. And you just want to be able to pick it up and get stuck in. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, you know, I, I think that's a lot of why there's such a big market for, like, the indie game scene 
because that it's eight bit stuff. It's not eight bit. It's eight bit style stuff, but the graphics are so much smoother. But the gameplay still feels modern. Yeah, definitely. And the soundtracks are more really, really good. What's your favourite one? I really. I'm playing Towerfall, which should be a multiplayer game, but I've been playing the solo campaign. Um, but it's made by the same people who made Celeste, oh, and yeah. I think. I think the the mechanics of how you move the character around are almost identical to how the game plays. So I think it's sort of like I'm using it as a bit of a trial run for that, really. But it's good. It's like basically just one screen, four characters kill each other. It's like Battle Royale sort of stuff, but it's with tiny little arrows, and you've only got three arrows each, and you have to go and retrieve your arrows from around the screen, and you've got yeah. like two moves. But the, the simplicity is is what's fun about it. Is that a good soundtrack? I think it suits what it is, and I think it fits in with what it is. It's a very obvious. It's an imitation of a of an eight bit style game, but I suppose everyone measures every eight bit soundtrack against Super Mario Brothers, don't they? <laughs> it's, it's 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 the one. The Soldiers of How Many Disc Archive. So let me tell you what I've been up to for the last. Um, well, it seemingly has taken me forever, but. Uh, but it was probably only a couple of weeks, is archiving my entire mini-disc collection. If there was ever a sentence that made someone salivate at the excitement... (laughs) I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say, if there was ever a sentence that proved what a real nerd you are. (laughs) Uh, First of all, when your main adjective is archive... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like the sort of sentence that would have been in a futuristic film 20 years ago. Archive the mini-discs. Have you watched The Matrix lately? I saw the end of the first... No, the second one. The end of the second one a couple of weeks ago. Like as I was flicking through late, like one night, but no, I haven't. I haven't seen it properly. The first time he realizes he's in the Matrix, someone is hacking in his flat, and someone knocks on his door and presents him uh, a mini disc, and he puts that in his computer, which is confusing because mini discs were primarily for music and audio, not for data. That's not to say data couldn't be stored on them, but you had to have a very special unit for that, and they weren't common. <laughs> yeah, don't go on. How to age that film? <laughs> it looked so futuristic at the time. Anyway. Mini- yeah, okay. So I've been archiving the mini-discs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I just so you know, it's time. It's time to get rid of some more clutter. It's time to to get rid of some old technology. But if I'm going to get rid of this beast of a machine, I need to put... What? Hang on. Haven't you started buying records again? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I've also kind of stopped, if I'm honest. Right, okay. I think I've only bought one since I moved house. Which was... The soundtrack to the most recent series of Twin Peaks, which oh, is good. Okay. 
yeah so i thought well i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to i can't get look there's tons of old radio shows here of, that we've done together i can't just not have anything to play them on i'm gonna have to put them onto mp3 before getting rid of the mini disc machine so um so yeah i did that but because it's not a data output i had to record them in real time which meant that periodically over the course of each two hour recording session i'd just sort of dip back in and listen to what was happening and it kind of made me think of stuff that we've spoken about 20 years ago that had been forgotten and now isn't i um I imagine it's quite, it's, I think it's quite a rare and special thing because very few people have such a well-documented archive of, the, <laughs> archive of their memories. Well, well yeah, it, it's quite unique because the modern generation, of course, podcasting, YouTubing, Instagram, they've got, they've got almost instant recall on anything that they've put out there over the last sort of 10 years, you know, if, if they're in social media, whereas that 20 year ago period is just a little bit strange. It's that step towards it, but most people would have probably wiped over what we recorded to record something else in the future. So it's weird that I've sort of kept so many episodes and it, and it is odd to hear yourself from the past bits that you've never, well, not that you've never heard, but you haven't heard for many years and kind of think that's, that's funny or that's not funny. Why did I ever think it was funny or how strange? Cause it radio is a throwaway medium, but here we are essentially doing the same thing again, but it's a recording that will stay on the internet and can be heard over and over again. And it is different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine that in some ways, to look back with such clarity at who you used to be is, is, is odd. In some ways, I, I think in some ways I'd be quite worried <laughs> about going back and listening because it, I, I think it'll be more, more cringy than I could possibly imagine. <laughs> it's Pandora's box. It's Pandora's mini disc box. <laughs> so how many hours worth of us talking rubbish is there now? Oh, my God. There must be. Oh. million hours? Two hours? <laughs> Somewhere between the two. <laughs> so, yeah, so one of the episodes... I mean, you say you might cringe, but one of the episodes that uh, I picked up was... It was labelled on the mini-disc, The Steps Adventure. <laughs> Strangely enough, we don't actually talk about steps that many times. I've not listened to the whole episode, I've, but I've I've listened to sort of 
I've heard each segment, and I'll tell you why. I had this idea that because of the way Anchor works, for regular listeners listening to this on their usual podcast um, mechanism, you don't get music. But the beauty of Anchor and listening to us through that is that we can drop songs in between segments for people to listen to if they've got Spotify. Um, So in a way, it gets you a step closer to a radio show. And I'm hoping people are going to therefore choose to listen to us through Anchor from now on if we start to do this. And um, But it did make me think we could drop bonus episodes onto Anchor where I sort of, through editing, recreate these old shows by every time we chat is a segment and then listen to what song we played and pick that up on Spotify and drop that into Anchor to see what people think. Uh, have you seen that on the BBC, the two Ronnie sketchbook? Which is just them older, but then interspersed in that is clips of the older sketches. No, like but I haven't, I wasn't thinking that, but we could do that. We could do that as well. So when you say recreate, do you mean literally recreate? <clears throat> record fresh old. No, I, what, what I mean is, uh, I can't put the whole recording onto anchor because it's got copyrighted material on there, but the beauty, because it's got songs. But the beauty of Anchor is you can drop songs in between segments. So what I mean is take the recording, slice it up into segments, and then drop the songs from Spotify that we actually played on the radio at the time Um, in between the segments. Yes. I get you now. I get you now. Yep. (laughs) For anyone listening right now, yes, you're you're listening to a podcast about a planning meeting for a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That may never happen. Now that's meta. That was funny. I don't know. We always we used to do. See, this is the thing, right? We used to do. Hang on. Is this worth talking about? Maybe it is. Start segment. <laughs> <laughs> What's quite clear is the way we used to do our radio show was keep talking until someone laughs heartily, and then put a song on. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. And that's essentially what we've done here now. It's, it's just I'm signposting it with end segment. <laughs> Are you going to keep the end segment bit in? <laughs> Should I? Look <laughs> at <The> catchphrase. <laughs> but you know, if you're listening not on anchor, the end segment also sounds so weird. <laughs> so artery. Yeah. yeah, end segment. The other day at work, um, somebody messaged me and oh, they used a very specific phrase, but basically they said I was like Alan Partridge. A bit personality-wise. Sometimes at work I will say things in a very sort of officious, like taking something too, way too seriously that's not serious at all. And I sort of do it a bit tongue-in-cheek, and I suppose that is a little bit Partridge-esque. Yeah. But then somebody else said exactly the same thing to me. And 
That made me think. They've been messaging each other the night before about how much like Alan Partridge they think I am. But this then led on to, I was thinking, well, that's nice, isn't it? That's the, that's the person that I remind people of. That's awful. And then somebody else at work said, oh, they think I looked like, and this is ridiculous, The Rock. <laughs> that is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and that, right, and just, I mean, you've got the beauty of having, you know, okay, from a certain angle, it's, I don't think I do. Okay, first of all, let's clear that right now. I don't think I look like The Rock at all. I've never occurred to me. And I've realised what it is. I'm just a man with a bald head. Yes. Who has the ability to raise one eyebrow. That's it. Later in the day, this became a bit of a talking point. I was refer- likened to The Rock, Thin Diesel, <laughs> Jason Statham. Also bald. All it's all going well so far. And again, I've never likened myself to any of these people. Then came the low point. Anders Breivik. Do you know who he is? No, I'm suddenly confused. He's the, he's the psychopath who killed loads of people on the island in Norway. Again, just a bald oh, yes. man. <laughs> Basically, you are every bald man. Just a bald man. Yeah. And that was, that was about it. So that's my defining feature. I've got no hair. And, and from that point on, people superimpose whatever twisted version of reality they have on me. Ridiculous. So, hang on then. So you've gone from being angel to any bald man? Yes. Yeah. Shockingly, Alan Partridge is the one that started it off as a massive full head of hair. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a. Well, I tell you what is. So okay. Until the last one, these were all buff bald men. So you could take that as a compliment. Yep. But a buff, bald man with a partridge disposition. That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. Thanks for that, guys. It's not quite um, not quite salt and pepper when they say a Denzel body with an Arnold face. Oh, no, the other way around. The other way around. Have you been <laughs> watching think... the new partridge? Yeah, I have. I think it's getting better. As it goes along, it's getting better. Well, you get used to the format, don't you? The one thing... I don't want to be critical, actually, because I think it's... I feel almost disloyal. What I really like about Partridge isn't necessarily each programme that they do. What I genuinely love about it is the way that they've done stuff for Partridge as though he's a real person. He's As a fictional character, he's got a real career going back, what, 20 years now, 30 years. Yeah. And I think that's what what really appeals to me, the dedication and the, and the care they show for the character. Someone said to me the other day that they were enjoying it, but it's not peak Partridge. And I understand why they said that, but I actually think it has the potential to be peak Partridge. And I think the only thing that stops something being peak Partridge is time. Because you need time and rewatches in order to make something quotable. And the other thing is, it's a little bit odd to be going back to watching the programme Partridge is hosting 
like going all the way back to knowing me, knowing you. What I think most people would refer to as Pete Partridge is probably I'm Alan Partridge, which is a sitcom featuring him rather than watching him in a real program. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's still been some absolute gold in this so far, though. Yeah, particularly uh, the last episode, I thought was was really good, and it's increasingly the, as as they get more comfortable, the play between him and his co-host. Yeah, now that relationship um, grows and develops. Yeah, how quickly they got to um, him being a permanent presenter as well. I wasn't expecting that. I thought that would be like the crux of the last episode, like he sort of throws it away. I mean, that still could happen, but wasn't expecting that episode three. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's good. Other things that you're enjoying at the minute? Um, <laughs> sending people unsolicited messages on a Sunday night. <laughs> oh, no, that was awful. You ruined my evening. You ruined, you ruined my life. <laughs> we talk about childhood scares. <laughs> I'd scare a man in his late thirties. No, um, other things I'm really enjoying at the minute. Are you not going to clarify for uh, for the listeners? Um, let's just say I was watching. Okay, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the concept of naked attraction, <laughs> it's a program in which people go on and become naked as a means of assessing who they want to go on a date with. It, and it, lower, it goes from top half, the bottom half revealed first to top half. There was someone on the programme recently who reminded me of someone we used to know. And I took a photo of that and sent it to you without any forewarning as to what was within that message. <laughs> and I opened it and I was confused and then because you've mentioned this person's name I was then inspecting it really carefully to think it can't be surely it's not <laughs> because it was it's the sort of thing they would do it is the sort of thing that person would do without a doubt <laughs> for attention yet with no real context. <laughs> so, yeah, I imagine it was a, a little bit of a five-second emotional roller coaster. It was. It was. <laughs> what this? Uh, it's not. Oh, my God. It seemed, yeah, I was I was chuckling away to myself for, for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. I was going to ask you how the uh, epic sandwiches are coming along. Oh, I had one tonight, actually. I did. The, I had the fish finger one. Yeah, that was nice. Um, it's. I've, I've done two. I've done two, th- two or three of them. I've done that one. I've done the jam sandwich, which is really nice. Um, who'd have thought putting ginger biscuits on a jam sandwich would be nice? It's amazing. Um, and I have done one of the other ones. I'll do the. I've done the done one. Um, but I don't class it as a proper one. It's the simplest one in the book. It's basically potato waffle, fried egg, tin, two slices of bread. That's it. Tasty, okay. but I wouldn't class it as a recipe. No. What's the name of the guy again? Max. 
I can't remember his surname. Max Sandwich. Max Sandwich. Max. Max Power. Max Hawley, according yes. to the book. And Max Hawley and his epic sandwich book. Yes, that's making my life a little bit better. Sandwich by sandwich. I love bread at the minute. That's what I'm enjoying, actually. Really enjoying bread. I had some lovely bread today. Oat and barley. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I thought you meant on UK gold. <laughs> Why did you do it? For the bread. <laughs> It's time for an evaluation. Can we put a retro skill in our armory this month? Let's decide now. So, we started out this episode before we meandered across many courses talking about Robocop and Terminator. I prefer Terminator. As a movie? Um, I'm gonna... Now, or as a character? I'm sure we've talked about this before. I only saw the first Terminator film all the way through for the first time about two years ago. Yeah, we've mentioned this. So we've talked about that. So we haven't got many subscribers anymore. Yes, as a as a film, it sort of kickstarts a franchise that's gone a lot too long. I think the real high point is Terminator Two, yep. because that's the one with all of the memorable scenes that's the one with and for me my favorite bit of any terminator film is the thumb going down into the lava at the end when the fist just turns into the thumb yes and uh people talk about emotion in film people talk about it's got action but it's also got heart so i agree with you that terminator 2 is the peak of the series for some reason i prefer watching the original most these days and i think it's because i've seen two the most therefore one still sort of surprises me and even though it is clunky these days from a special effects and budget point of view yeah that soundtrack and that 80s vibe it is quite special i think it is a cut above robocop either film thoughts on terminator 3 an average film <laughs> do you know what I've not seen I've not seen the newest one. I've not seen Terminator Genesis. I have seen I thought Terminator 3 was alright. The problem with it was it's dumbed down to get what they hoped would be a wider audience. There's still some good action pieces in it, but it's it's almost family friendly, isn't it? It's almost yeah. a bit you know, you haven't got the like the bit in Terminator Two where it's the T one thousand on the phone to the kid and then it pulls back and he's got his arm as a sword through the real person's head. Yes. That's that's the bit that's missing from Terminator Three in my point of view. It's like his edge has gone. Yeah. Literally. Well, yes. And Terminator, what's the next one? The one with Christian Salvation. Bale. Salvation. I didn't think that was that bad a film. It was all right. It was okay. Again, it's lost an edge. I think um, ruined slightly by his rant. Um, have you ever seen that rant? I've heard it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I feel like I, see, I might watch it when we finish. <clears throat> what I find most weird about it is 
what Christian Bale's real voice sounds like. Not that he's having the rant, because the, uh, the rant's pretty bad, and the, he's such a diva. But it, it, the American accent he puts on in films is actually not that far from his real accent. And he was born in Wales, wasn't he? But he's obviously moved to Hollywood as a child, I think. And therefore, he's got this sort of strange accent, a bit like Lloyd Grossman. It sort of fluctuates from... It's a transatlantic accent, isn't it? To an American, he sounds English. To an Englishman, he sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So we've come down, as as entertaining as Robocop is, Terminator, the character and the film, is better. I think the trump card is the soundtrack. Boom, 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 boom. I do that. I, I find myself humming that to myself quite a lot. And it is so, similar to the Jaws thing. It's simple, repetitive, but immediately conveys character, place, time. You know, it's sums it up in a few notes. Absolutely. We have another winner, the Terminator. From next time, from next episode, if we don't drop any 20th anniversary specials in the, in the mix in the meantime, like show recreations or guests or whatever other weird shenanigans we can hatch for our 20th anniversary, um, the next one we could have audience submissions for subjects maybe oh i like that get people involved see if they ask andy <laughs> it's not quite Jeeves, ask, is it ask andy i was going to say submit to spence but that sounds a little bit like an order <laughs> yeah it's like a question not like resistance is futile <laughs> i was thinking of um we could bring back your hat to put topics in but again the nature of said hat almost brings connotations. Different times. Yeah. I need to get a new hat. Is that for your bald head? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then I won't look like anyone anymore. Look like a man in a hat. Get a fedora. Yeah, maybe people look like you look like Sean Connery from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> also bald. <laughs> I said from the 60s, not in his 60s. All oh, right. To be fair, he lost his hair quite quickly. I think he wears a wig in most of the Bond films, doesn't he? I thought that was Roger Moore. What? Did he wear a wig? Sure. There's a scene in one of there's an underwater scene in one of the Bond films where you see the wig lift up and sort of flap. One of the remember. war films. One of, yeah, I'm sure it's one of the Roger Moore films. <laughs> Really? I'm going to have to go watch them all again. Possibly. I can't think of many where he goes underwater. It must be... Um, is it for your eyes only, the one where he's dragged with the shark? Uh, on the boat in Greece, and they drag him through the coral reef to attack yes. the shark. He's got the lotus in that as well, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah, maybe it's that one. No, it's a, it's, a di it's a different lotus, isn't it? The main lotus is in Spy Who Loved Me. Me. The one that goes and drives underwater. Yeah. That's for the ledger. For the ledger. More wig. Bond hair. There you go. And that is that.
we just need to uh, remind people where they can listen to us, even though they're already listening to us, but this seems to be a thing that you have to do. Remind them to keep listening to us. They can download and listen. Can they da- Is it download or streaming? Is it the same thing mm. or different? If it's on Anchor, it's streaming. On most podcast apps, you can do both stream or download. Choose your weapon and listen to us. On yeah. Anchor, you'll get the tunage as well. And don't forget to like it or tweet us or, I don't know, face poke us. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. I'll be writing a letter of complaint if they did that. <laughs> to you. <laughs> you suggested it. No, don't face poke. Yes. And, of course, we'll be back. End segment. <laughs> <laughs> Soldiers of Hell is a Fosgate Studios production. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, comment, and share.